Before we take the Lord's Supper, I want to uh, just let you imagine a few things and see if you can relate to some of the names of Jesus Christ. Uh, names in former times and former cultures and even cultures today always mean something. And uh, names mean something in our lifetime, do they not? I have several names. I have several monikers that mean a lot to me. The first one that I'd really like to get rid of is uh, given to me by my father. It's Otis, O-T-T-I-S. Getting a lot of fights with that name, I guarantee you. But uh, that identifies me with my father. I was named after him. And I carry that name uh, uh, respectfully. I really do. I've tried to live up to that name because he was such a good man in my life. My second name is Eugene, where we get the name Gene from, named after a man that my father loved. I never met him, I never knew him, but that memory and the fact that uh, my father liked him so much is a name that I honor and I cherish, and it's been the name that I've gone by all my life. And then my family name is Mims, and that's a whole line of folks that uh, we all uh, like to know our heritage. Uh, if you go back far enough, and then sometimes you don't like to know your heritage, but uh, uh, that name means something to me. It carries a family name. It's the name my family carries and carries on, just like your name does. And then I'm, named by, uh, I'm a husband, and I'm called uh, uh, Jean by my wife, and that means something when she says that, always does. And then my, my children call me Dad, and that, that really means a lot to me. And my grandchildren call me Dee, and that's the best name of all that I have. But I carry the name pastor and I carry the name preacher. And uh, that's just some of the names that we have that mean something in our lives. Well, the various names of Jesus mean something also. And in a moment, I'm going to just read a brief passage from Matthew, the first chapter and a part of the second chapter. But I I want you to think about these names as we think uh, about Jesus's names. And it's amazing how in Luke and in John, those names sort of uh, sort of reflect each other. They really do. Uh, when you read in the gospel of Luke, uh, he's called the son of the most high, son of God, the son of Mary. So we know right there that he's unique and different. He's fully God and fully man. And that ultimately comes to mean something for us if we really embrace that name. He, he's called uh, uh, the son of David, which allows him to be able to r- rule and reign in God's word and way and prophecy that he had for him. And uh, then he's called, he's called flesh. Kind of interesting. Son of God, son of Mary, all these names. John calls him the word. John calls him God. He just comes right out and says it. The word became flesh. That means he identifies with you and me. That's very, very important. We would expect our savior to be God But who could have ever imagined that we'd be just like us to experience everything we experience in this world, to experience what life and humanity truly and really is all about. And yet he's just like us. He he dwelt among us. I love that word dwelt. It's a word we get from the Old Testament. And you know this word. When when God's presence came into the tabernacle and when it came into the, the temple, It was called the Shekinah glory. Well, Shekinah just means dwelling. So the glory was dwelling with the people of God. And then we come to Matthew. There are seven names given in Matthew in these first uh, two chapters. And I think they're very significant. So I'd like to read just a portion of Matthew, if you will, uh, allow me to do that. 
And the first verse just says, account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, that's two names, son of David, son of Abraham. So that's four monikers right there. And it says the birth of Christ came about in this way after the, his mother Mary, his father Joseph was never called his father. It's always called his mother Mary, had been engaged to Joseph. Uh, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says, when Joseph considered these things, he was afraid. He didn't know how to put her away. They were betrothed. That was almost married. He had to divorce to get out of a betrothal. And there it was. And Joseph, of course, in his perplexity, wondered what could he do? He was a good man, a righteous man. And he didn't want to harm Mary in all of this. But I'm sure he couldn't understand it fully. And the angel comes to him and he says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from his sins. And then uh, Matthew gives a little bit of commentary there out of the book of Isaiah. He said, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give us a birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, God with us. Sort of sounds like dwelling again. John said he would dwell among us. And so he did. And then in chapter two, he talking about his birthplace, which is a, a, a town of prophecy, Bethlehem. It says, out of you will come a ruler and he will shepherd my people, Israel. So there are those names, those wonderful names of Jesus Christ. But I wanna say this, and maybe I could say it again as we conclude tonight. Until every one of these names becomes personal to you and me, they mean nothing. They mean absolutely nothing until it becomes personal to you and me. And when it becomes personal to you and me, then it means everything. It, it means a total change of life. It means assurance in life, no matter what you're going through. It means a purpose in life. It means a direction in life. It means so many wonderful things. Let's see if we can unpack these names. Jesus, of course, means Jehovah saves. It means he's going to be our savior. He's the only one who can save. He's the only one who ever came to save. Many people have come in this world to create religion and many people out of those religions have created great moral standards and great teachings and whatever, but there's only one who came to save, specifically came to die for our sins before he was born, for he was crucified, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world and he came to earth to die for our sins and then his name Christ, Messiah, whatever else Messiah might mean for us tonight, it surely means deliverer the one who would come and deliver us from whatever it is that has us enslaved and changed up, whatever it is that causes us to fear like we might do, the deliverer, Jesus Christ. How wonderful that name is. And then he's the child. Don't be afraid to take the child. And they came, the wise men, to see the child, this child born, going through all the, uh, all the regimens of life, all the regimens of infancy, and being a toddler and an adolescent and a young adult, he, he went through all of that, just like we have gone through all of that. That just means so much to me. Many of you have heard me say this. It's one of my, it's one of my most pressing thoughts. I would not pray to a God who did not understand what it was like to be me. How could a God in heaven somewhere ever understand what it's like for you and me as we live through the rigors of life and heartbreak and setbacks and betrayals and death as long with the uh, victories and all of that. Well, what is it like to lose a friend like he lost Lazarus? Well, what is it like to live life when people didn't understand him? That's just your life and my life, is it not? It's wrapped up in a bow. That's just how we live. And he knows how we live. When you pray to Jesus Christ, 
He knows. He knows it all. He knows everything. What a wonderful Savior he is. And then Emmanuel with us forever. When he was leaving earth, he told his disciples, I'm going to give you by prayer to the Father the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you forever. I will never leave you or forsake you. I like that because it means that God can never love us less and they'll never love us more. He just loves us, period. No matter what we go through and where we've been, when we come into a relationship with him, it's a relationship of his constant and most wonderful presence. Then it says he's the ruler, the ruler, the one who is in charge. Uh, Sometimes we look around and wonder who's in charge here. Well, I can tell you who's in charge of it all. The one who came to be in charge, the ruler, that Jesus Christ. There's nothing that's been created that he didn't create. There's nothing that goes on that he doesn't understand. And history itself is moving towards the final climax when Jesus Christ shall be, be declared King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, he's all of that. He's Emmanuel. He's king. He's the ruler. But I like what the prophecy said. He would be a shepherd to us. I don't know much about shepherding. I don't know anything about sheep. But the image I always have in my mind is that it's somebody who cares, who always cares, who cares despite what we might ever go through, what we might have ever done. It's the most wonderful thing in the world that he cared enough to come and he cared enough to live for us and he cared enough to die for us and he cares enough to pray for us and to prepare a place for us right now and cares enough to come again one day. And he cares enough to forgive us of our sins. You know, one of the, one of the most remarkable, miraculous things that ever happens is when you see somebody come to faith in Jesus Christ and you see all of the past and all that hurt somehow put in a context where it can be erased in reference to God. And he just says, you come to me if you're weak and heavy laden. I'll take care of all of that. I'll take care of all of that. But what does it mean for any of us? Well, let me just ask you a question. Do you need saving tonight? That's a very bold kind of question, isn't it? It, it might not even be used much anymore. But if you're separated from the Father, there's no way on earth or in heaven for you to get back to him except through Jesus Christ. Do you need that salvation from your sins? You don't need me to tell you that you're a sinner and I don't need you to tell me I know far more than you know about my own sins and I need a savior. I I needed a savior when I first became a Christian, but I needed a savior when I woke up this morning so that his blood could be applied to my life and my heart for every negative thought and attitude and sin that I might commit. Do you need a savior tonight? If you'll personalize that word and come to Jesus Christ, maybe Uh, come back to him or maybe to be renewed by him in this night of nights and let him save us once again and continue to save us and let his blood shed once for all be applied to us continually. And we can breathe easy and say, thank you, Jesus, that my sins are taken care of past, present, and future. Do you need a savior tonight? Do you need Messiah tonight? Do you need delivering from anything tonight? You got an addiction? That's kind of a bold question, isn't it? Kind of a personal question, but until this gets personal, then nothing really happens. Do you need to be delivered from your fear or anger? Do you need to be uh, uh, delivered from, from anything like that? That's what a Messiah does. He comes and he takes over 
the situation and he delivers us from our fears and our past and whatever haunts us that we can't ever shake. That repeated sin in your life, that, that repeated thought that you have, that, that repeated bitterness that pops up every now and then. You need a Messiah and the only one, there's only one that can deliver any of us from that and that's Jesus. Jesus Christ, Messiah. Wow, sounds pretty good. We've already talked about his humanity and we won't belabor that point. But let me just say this. Do you need somebody to be with you? You know, one of the great uh, problems in our lives is that in the middle of a crowd, you can be lonely. Nobody understands you. Of course they don't understand you. They're you. They're not, they're, they're not you. You're you. And so often it is that we feel lonely and disconnected and don't quite know where to go and what to do and how to get there. You feel like you're just walking your own path and, and nobody knows and understands and maybe cares well, somebody might care and try to understand, but nobody ever cared for you like Jesus does. Jesus Christ is the shepherd who comes to care. Comes to care, offers that constant care. The, the one who'll stand beside you when you're hurting. The one who'll stand beside you when you're scratching your head and you're saying, I don't know what to think of this. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to make this decision. The one who stands beside you when you say, oh God, I have been so hurt. I am so wounded. I am so angry. Well, he's just not one of these things. He's all of those things. And in his caring, he pays for our sin. He delivers us from our stresses. He does all of those things. The names of Christ either mean nothing or they mean everything. And once they mean everything, a whole world is opened up to us. First of all, we have eternity. We don't ever have to worry about where we're going to be after we die. We have a purpose in this life. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that which we face. And sometimes, as you know and I know, it's very, very harsh and difficult just to put one foot in front of the other. And yet somehow he has that. You say, well, there's pandemics and there's natural disasters and there's whatever. Yeah, he's got all that. It's going to happen. And we go through it and through it. It doesn't have to make us bitter. It doesn't have to make us immobile. We can flourish, as the scripture says, to count it all joy when we fall into various trials and temptations. How can we do that? Because we know God's going to take care of this. That's how you know. So have you made it personal? Have you made him your personal Lord and Savior? He can't do anything until you do. And he offers that to every one of us. So before we take the Lord's table, I just want to pray. And, and maybe you'll uh, re-up. Maybe you'll be rejuvenated. Maybe you'll just stop and take a deep breath and say, Lord, I, I want that. I, I want all of that. I need that tonight. Lord, I need delivering. I need saving. I need for you to care for me. I need you to, to be with me right now. I'm not going to make it. If you'll pray that, he's already here. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Jesus' name we can come and pray to you about all of our needs, everything that we've had happen to us and everything we face in the future. Father, we do so with a great abiding faith in Christ. Lord Jesus, 
I know I need it, and I pray for this congregation tonight who gathers here. We need saving. That's salvation, past, present, and future, ever ongoing. Save us, Jesus. We need delivering, Lord Jesus. So many things we, we deal with in our lives and we can't seem to overcome and we're exhausted. Save us and deliver us from these things, oh Lord, our Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you're just like us. Son of God, son of Mary, son of Abraham, son of David, and our Savior, our brother. Thank you that you're always with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. You'll see it through. Thank you for ruling this universe that you created. And Lord, thank you for caring for us. And we ask especially tonight as we observe this Lord's table that we never forget what it took for all these things to become true. What it took for you to be the savior of the world. What it took for you to be our, our guide and our presence, our lives. What it took for you to be the word of God come in the flesh. What it took for you to be the light of the world and the light which is the life of men and the life which is the light of men. Be our lives, indwell us tonight. By your Holy Spirit, indwell us. We cry out to you. For in a world of need, we are in need also. And yet we rejoice. We rejoice in our salvation. You are our God. Lead us, O Lord. And tonight as we take this table, we pray that it might be not just a religious observance, but a manner of worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me read this from the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. You know these verses so well by now. Verse 20, 23, I think it is. Paul's writing and he's, he's not very happy with the Corinthians. They've given him some trouble. And he's kind of been chastising him a little bit. One of the things that he's very uh, sad about is that when they had observed the Lord's Supper, it had kind of become an out of control kind of thing. And he's not happy with that. And what he's trying to say is, listen, we're a community. We're, we're people of the faith. And we need to act right and know right and know what this really means. So he said, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Death, burial, and resurrection. We're witnessing tonight. When you take this bread and this cup, you're witnessing to everyone around you that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And I'm glad to be a part of the community of Christ. You're prophesying tonight and you're saying, we do this in anticipation of what we're sure to be the Lord's return when he puts his feet back on this earth. And he comes to us not as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, but the lion of Judah, roaring in power. And we wait for that day. What a great moment it is. And we're just remembering how wonderful and great our Lord is. So if you'll just open that first little tab, you see this wafer? I, I wanna pray and give thanks before we take this.
Our Heavenly Father, as our Lord thanked you on the night, even that he was going to be betrayed, facing his death for our sins, he could be thankful for what, what was lying ahead for him. And we're thankful tonight, Lord. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for your great, wonderful love. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit endowing us and living within us to get this life of Jesus fully operational in our lives. And so we take this bread remembering that our Savior's body was broken and given for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me.